Welcome to the audio podcast of the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. As we begin to repopulate our historical and recently renovated sanctuary for worship, online worship will continue Sunday morning at 11 a.m. We are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org, as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. Let's pray. The prophet Jeremiah said, from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No. They have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. Mighty God, there is no peace, not in our spirits, not in our country, not in your world. We need a word from you. We need a grace-filled word, and our prayer this morning is that you would come through. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wrote this sermon on the plane to my conference on last Sunday, and I wrote this sermon on the way back to New York at the end of this week. I wrote and rewrote today's sermon more times than I can count, and then I tossed it in the garbage and rewrote it again this morning. So here's the thing, church. We are in a state of emergency, and truth be told, we've always been since 1619 in this country, 1822 in this church, and arguably longer than that, depending on which historian you follow. This is going to be a difficult sermon. And so I encourage you at the start to breathe deeply, take, you know, practice taking a deep breath right now. Stay present and try not to check out. And I encourage you to put your hands on your body where you need support. So my neck gets really tight when I'm talking about things I'm about to talk about. So if you need to massage your neck or your shoulders or put your hands on your heart because it hurts, please do that. And we need a hard sermon today because not enough of us are awake to the emergency that is plaguing all of us. Paul wrote in his letter this morning, and this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what really matters. Life matters, church. We are still in the Easter season, the season of new life, and life matters. The lives of the ten people targeted and murdered in Buffalo because of their black skin, they matter. The Asian business owners targeted and shot in Dallas because of their Asian bodies, they matter. The Taiwanese church, a sister Presbyterian church that nests at a church in Laguna Woods, California, the pastor of that church was at my conference. Shot up just last Sunday because their politics did not match up with that of the Taiwanese gunmen. Their lives matter. Life Matters Church. I walked out of here last Sunday to catch a plane to a church conference, and I felt blindsided when I arrived on the property in North Carolina, where my parents are from. 
And while I knew about the indigenous land theft at the magnificent conference center in the Black Mountains of North Carolina sat on the ancestral lands of the Cherokee, Yuchi, and Catawba nations, I didn't know Martin Luther King had spoken there but couldn't stay there. And I didn't know the facility had been used as an internment camp for Japanese Americans during World War II. It was the easternmost internment camp in the country. And all this information was shared in a list of announcements for the day. And so when I gathered with my colleagues for lunch, my Japanese-American, Korean-American, Chinese-American, Southeast Asian, African-American, indigenous, Latinx colleagues, there was anger and there were tears. And Paul writes, and this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what really matters. Life matters, church. The way we handle one another's bodies and the stories of those bodies, that matters. No one wants the misuse and abuse of their people relegated to a list of announcements. But this goes to show how inept and frightened we are to talk about what really matters. Next month marks seven years since a gunman traveled to another black community in the South, sat in a Bible study with the people of Mother Emmanuel Baptist Church for hours, and then murdered them. Keep breathing. Next month marks six years since a gunman showed up at the Pulse nightclub and opened fire on black and brown queer bodies, murdering 49 children of God. Keep breathing. These lives and these people matter. And this is my prayer, Paul wrote that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what really matters. Now, some of you will not like that I'm about to talk about white body supremacy again this morning, but I must talk about what really matters, even if you don't like it. It's part of my job, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Because what I don't like, what makes me uncomfortable, and what should make us all uncomfortable is a world in which people who look like me and my child are murdered, shopping for groceries, and we don't talk about it at church. What I don't like is the assumption and the demand that some of God's people expect to be comfortable while others of us carry discomfort in our bodies every minute of every day. This matters, church. We are all caught up in a system, in a world that seeks to separate us from one another. And while it's lovely that we gather in an inclusive and diverse community on Sundays, it's not enough. Take a deep breath. Don't check out. I want you to agree that this is true. All bodies are inherently good. Regardless of cultural background, regardless of color of skin, all bodies, your body, my body, 
is good. Please don't hear me attacking you because you are a particular color. All bodies are good. Please don't come up to me after the sermon and say, I made you feel bad. All bodies are good. I hope we can agree about that. And I don't need to tell you, thinking people, that this country at its founding church deformed the goodness of all bodies. Yes? With regards to race and culture, this country centered white-skinned bodies and saw every other body in relationship to whiteness. That does not make white bodies bad. But it is the truth of this country. And yes, you can sit there and think, well, what about gender? And what about class? And what about all the other isms? But the Buffalo shooter went after black people. The Atlanta spa shooter went after Asian people. The white body at the founding of this country was supreme, and it remains supreme. It doesn't make the body bad. It makes the system evil. And that's the definition of white body supremacy. And even in my African-descended ecosystem, whiter-looking black people like me are supreme. And this definition is not an attack on anyone here. It's not an attack on individual white folk, but it is an acknowledgement of a system that we live in. As people of faith, as followers of Jesus, we cannot call ourselves justice-loving people if we cannot acknowledge the fundamental truth that white bodies matter more. Take a deep breath. My heart's pounding. So what we're doing this morning is naming what matters in order to build our resilience in a world that is killing all of us in different ways. What I'm talking about does not just affect black, indigenous, and people of color. It affects white people, too. This world is killing all of us in different ways. The supremeness of white bodies, the centering of whiteness, harms all bodies. And because white bodies matter more, whiteness tracks with better education, better housing, longer life, more lucrative employment, assumptions of intelligence, generational wealth, expectations of safety and comfort, a rush to protect. I could go on and on, but suffice to say that all of us live in a world that centers whiteness and that centering harms us all. Take a deep breath. I can't hear you guys breathing. I hope you're not holding your breath. Ooh, maybe you need to shake a little. And just discharge some of that energy. And I just want to remind you that you may be feeling uncomfortable, you may be angry, you may be crying, but I promise you, you will not die. Every president until Obama, white. And the fact that I can name all of these, the fact that we can name all of these, this is a problem. Every Supreme Court justice until Thurgood Marshall, white. Every pastor of this church until Paul Smith, white. And when blackness shows up, when Latinxness or Asianness shows up, we know what happens. You have to be twice as good. In the case of Katanji Brown Jackson in the mouth of um, Lisa Murkowski, you must be exceptional. 
And I just ask you, who else on the Supreme Court would you call exceptional? And even then, your chances at success are slim. Surely the deck was stacked to help you get there. Surely surely you're only here by luck. Surely, as was the case when I was a rockette at Radio City Music Hall, surely I had taken someone else's job. Because the white rockette was meant to be there, and I could only possibly be there because I was taking something that didn't belong to me. I had no right to be there. Take a deep breath. And this is my prayer, Paul wrote, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what really matters. Race matters, church. And it matters that we talk about it, do something about it, center it in all our actions and conversations. Otherwise, we're just playing at following Jesus. We're just playing at justice. And in the same way that white body supremacy is about a system, so is Paul's understanding of partnership in the gospel. Paul, in this letter to the church at Philippi, is addressing a system, a collection of people he calls partners, partners in the gospel. In the Greek, we call this collection of partners a koinonia. And koinonia, in this sense, literally means partnership. But partnership like this, it's a partnership in an economic sense. And Laura Rittenhouse will understand this in a, in a real way, because these people have a share They have a stock. They have an investment riding on something. They have skin in the game. They are committed, invested, and the currency, the valuable item, is the gospel. It's God's good news story. And that gospel is a story, as we know, about loving God and loving people with everything we've got. It's a story of justice. It's a story that centers the brutal murder of Jesus, who lived in an Afro-Asiatic context. It's a story about power and domination and a God who makes humility powerful and love powerful and truth-telling powerful, not just for the oppressed but for the oppressors as well. It's a life and death and life story, and it's ours, and it matters. The community that Paul writes to is invested in maturing their seeds. They're invested in ripe relationship. They're invested in growing up. And this is Paul's reason to hope. And there's not perhaps a lot to hope for for some of us in this world right now, but this is Paul's reason for hope. And catch this, it's not the people. Just like when we talk about white body supremacy, it's not the individual people who are the source of hope. It's the community. Professor Catherine A. Shainer said, it's not our trust, our belief, our faith that creates the relationship and thus the advancement of this koinonia. Rather, it is the partnership, the koinonia that Paul says gives him confidence. Paul says it this way, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you 
are my partners in God's grace. And so as we got the news last weekend about the evil, racially motivated, premeditated shooting in Buffalo, it was more than our individual trust, belief, or faith could hold. The church shooting in California, the probability that the shootings at several Asian-owned businesses in Dallas, Texas, are the work of one lone gunman targeting Asian people. It is more than we can hold alone. Gun violence, racial hatred, political divides have us like Paul imprisoned, church. And in this moment, with COVID deaths now passing one million in the USA, this moment is more than our individual trust, belief, or faith can hold. So we take some strength from Paul's letter that suggests we alone are never enough in a moment like this. We need the koinonia partnership. And the history video this morning was an amazing setup because we are imprisoned still 200 years later by sorrow and grief, white body supremacy, political malice, and the ease with which we spew all that animosity on one another. We need partnership, not singularity. We need to be reminded that we are invested in a valuable story, a gospel story that helps the edges hold when gunfire would rip us apart. To be a partner in the gospel is to be in community. There is no I in partner. And that is the most important realization to have in this moment because bondage makes us want to pull in and pull away. You may be thinking now, I really don't like that, Pastor. Don't pull in. Don't pull away. Some of you will focus on the fact that this sermon made you feel bad rather than on the families whose loved ones are dead because of the color of their skin. Think about that. Reflect on that. Pray about that. Journal about that. Take that to therapy, to prayer. I'm not the problem. This sermon is not the problem. And after you've done all that, take a deep breath and come back to church because you are invested, I hope, in the value of the gospel. And this investment in the gospel is a joint venture. I can't do it without you, and you can't do it without me. There are no lone rangers in the gospel, not even Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, that's how the letter opens, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Brooklyn with the bishops and the deacons, that's how the story opens for us today. What does a saint look like? I pray for you and for me commitment to the partnership, a commitment to the power that sees us through challenging times. It can be tempting to pull in and pull away from Christian community, but I believe the saints in your lives would say, keep with it. Not just because this story that we're invested in is valuable, but because we simply cannot hold this world with all its weight by ourselves. Take a deep breath, church.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you are fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide hybrid worship options with both in-person and online worship Sunday morning at 11 a.m. We are live in the sanctuary as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on safety protocols and pre-registration options. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.